chapter uh, 14, um, as Paul had finished his journey um, around uh, the area of southern Croatia and um, already in a very quick hurry, people would come in and try to circumvent the freedom that these folks had found in Christ and to try to put a yoke of slavery and legalism upon them and to say that it's Christ and something else. And so this is Paul's letter to them addressing that issue. And so that is where we're at. And if you might remember, I talked a lot about freedom just a few weeks ago, about the freedom that Christ has given us that, that are the thing that changes up all the time that locks us in bondage is often what is already inside of us. There's stuff in us that just changes us up. And sometimes the freedom that we really need is freedom from us. We need to be freed from ourselves. And Christ is powerful enough to free us from us. Um, and so with that, let us read um, Galatians chapter 5 together. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little even, even the whole world. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, then why am I persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish that those who unsettled me would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and these, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the Word of God. 
Thanks be to God. When we take an honest evaluation of our heart and our walk with Christ, I think we might all agree that we come at least just one step shy of perfection. I know you might be thinking, well, that's just you, Jeff. That's not me. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that we do fall just one step, and maybe multiple steps, shy of perfectly fulfilling the law of God, perfectly fulfilling the law of Christ and His love. Well, this fact, fact leads us to ask ourselves a question. It's one I don't know if you guys wrestle with this ever, but I do. I wrestle with this when my flesh has taken over me. I wrestle with this question: Am I really justified before God? I don't know if you wrestle with that one, but I often do. I often wrestle with: Am I really justified? Because I think about things that that I failed with my kids this week. I failed with my wife. I think about how my mouth got the better of me in conversation with other people. There must be something that, that I must do, that you must do, that we must do to demonstrate our worth before God so that we can once again be justified in our proclamation of salvation. That's the question that keeps coming. So I thought about this more and I thought, you know what? If we are asking ourselves whether we're justified, we have asked the wrong person. If I'm looking to myself for the answers of, of whether or not I'm justified before God, I've, I've really gone to the wrong person. And then secondly, what we tend to do is this. We tend to compare our deeds with others. And so we've used the wrong yardstick. We've used the wrong measuring device to determine whether or not we're justified by God. Well, Paul would declare to the Galatians and to you and I this morning two things that are really just one thing, ultimately. He's going to declare to you what we have been saved from, and that what we are saved to are both at once by grace through faith. What we've been saved from is by grace through faith, and what we've been saved to is the same. It is by grace through faith, and it is not in our workings. It is not in adding anything to our salvation, adding anything, any rule, any sort of step that we must do, right? It's by grace through faith. So let's read uh, verse 1 through uh, 6 again. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. I believe that that is the key verse in this whole chapter, is that by only by faith working through love do we find our justification in God. So I think, again, by grace through faith, you and I have been set free from the wrath of God. The wrath of God was against our sin, and it so richly deserves that wrath, does it not? When you think about the wretchedness that we were in before Christ came and changed us, 
and think back to God's justice and say, it is just and good that God's wrath should come against my sin. It is so good, it so richly deserves that punishment. And that he spares is a miracle. That he spares at all is a miracle of his goodness and his graciousness towards us. But that wrath is so deserved because of that sin. Because I hate sin. I've come to hate it. I used to play with it and toy with it and get in the neighborhood of it and think that, you know, if I just my idea was how close to the line can I get without falling over it? And now God has convinced me that, that my duty and my responsibility as a believer in Christ is to get as far away from the line as possible. Don't get close to it. It's awful and it's ugly and it's painful and it's damaging to not only to me but to those who love me and to those that I love. Get away from it. Get as far as you can from it. And God tells us, gives us the method, right? To Christ. Keep going to Him. Go to Christ and away from sin. Go to Christ and He will be there to receive us. And because of Christ's specific atoning work on the cross for all who believe, we who are in Christ have been set free from this works-based righteousness, Paul would say. We cannot work our way to be justified. That God did the work through Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. That by faith in his finished work, that we might be justified. If we desire to be justified by our working out of the law, Paul would say here that you're obligated to keep the whole thing. All of it. To the letter. And Christ's work at Calvary then is of no help to you. If, if, if we think that it's Christ and something else, and some sort of law or rule, and we start abiding by that rule, by that rule of law. That rule of law cannot save you. All it can do is convince you that you are a failure at all the others. That's all it will do is convince you how miserably you'll fail at every one of them. Even if you're good at only keeping one. Because then what does that lead us to? Liberalism. It leads us to this liberal idea, right? This legalism leads us to this liberal idea. Because when we recognize the fullness of the law, we cannot fulfill it. And we know it. But we find one we can. We find one. Then we become a one thinker, as I like to call it. We get this one thing, and then we, we latch on to that. I keep that. I can keep that law. So I'm going to keep that, and I'm going to insist that all my brothers and sisters keep that very same law. Although they don't know that I'm wretched and I can't fulfill any of the other ones. Right? I can't do any of it. They don't know that. But now I've given myself some freedom to disobey God. Is what I've done. By picking the one thing that I'm going to do, I've given myself freedom to disobey everything else. I see it time and time again that those who have this one thing have given themselves a freedom that they don't have. A freedom to disobey God on all these other levels. But when Christ sets us free, as verse 1 tells us, for freedom's sake, basically, it doesn't say sake in the text, but I, it's the gist of what Paul is communicating here. Is for the sake of freedom, of your freedom, of my freedom, Christ has set you free. For no other thing, but for the sake of freedom. You see, uh, I love this. Because of grace and by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God, through the faith in His Son, we are, in the words of 2 Corinthians 5.1, becoming the righteousness of God in Him. That is that we are saved from freedom. And for freedom's sake, from the wrath of God, 
for the penalty of sin. And for freedom's sake, we are saved to the fullness of his righteousness in us, practically. We are saved from and saved to. What is it that we are saved to? I want to read verse 6 one more time. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision comes uh, counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You see, we are not only saved toward righteousness, we are no longer a slave to self, but we are now free. And what are we free to? I love this. We are free to love. By God's love for us, He set us free. But He set us free to do something. He set us free to love. Which just by that statement alone tells you what? That when you are a slave, when you are a slave to sin, you are not free to love. You're not free to love what? You're not free to love in a godly love. And he tells us here, but only faith working through love. That's what we've been set free to. That by faith, I appropriate this fact that I am saved as saved can be. I'm just as saved, I'm not even more saved today than I was the day that God came down and reached and, and, and wrecked my life and said, I'm going to set you free, Jeff. I'm going to set you free. Even though you're a wretched individual, and I knew it. I, I, I was very well aware of my wretchedness. But he would say to me today, at 50 years old, and I would say in my own heart, man, I've come a long way, right? It's, it's a long, a far cry from then. But he would say to me today, that same love that I loved you with then, I love you with now, and it's not more, it's not less. I love you with all the love I could ever have back when you were at your worst. When you were in the gutter, and I decided to, to, to pour my love out upon you, I have that for you today. Same love, not less. And I know you've messed up along the way. I'm sure you have. Even though you've messed up along the way, my love for you today is just as big as it was the day that I pulled you out of the dirt. It's just as big. I love that. Verse 7. So, here he starts to begin the admonition to them. And at the same time, it's an encouragement. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? When you look at the law, the law is true, isn't it? It's true, right, and good. And he would say to you, but there is a surpassing truth. A surpassing truth is the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross surpasses every other thing that is also true. But this is, Jesus would say that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the embodiment of truth. So who would hinder you from obeying that truth? If you want to know what truth is, look at Christ. If you want to know what the truth is, just look at it. That's the truth. Jesus would say. And Jesus would also say that as he examined all of the scriptures, and he comes to this conclusion, at the end of his looking at the scriptures, he says, okay, that's me. I see the truth of God's word, and I'm that. Can you believe that? I'm that, he would say. So that is the one in whom we put our faith and our trust and our obedience 
because he indeed is the truth. Well, one who would hinder us from, from running well, from obeying, he says, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little even leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, then why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You see, through Christ we are justified, and we are free to run our heavenly race here on earth. We are called for freedom's sake to operate from a position of freedom. We are to operate from that position that I have indeed been set free. And by the power of the Spirit, because you see, it is not in our own power that we run at all. The race that we run is in the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in us. The one that calls us, he says, the one that calls you and me to add that works are necessary for justification, has put a big hurdle in front of us. And we know this, that any hurdle that comes in front of us from seeking after the truth of God and seeking the person of Jesus Christ is, is not from God. If there's anything in your life as you're sitting here this morning and you say, my relationship with Christ is hindered, there's something in the way. Notice this, that God will not put a hindrance in your way from being in His presence. It's only the enemy of God that wants to put something in front of you, that wants to block you, that wants to give you this thing that you must jump over to get to Him, right? I'll put this block in your way and say, now do you really want Christ to jump over that? If anybody puts something in front of us, it is the enemy of God to block us, to, to stop us from getting to Him, to being in His presence. Any small hurdle is enough to corrupt the whole walk, Paul would say. No matter how big the hurdle is, it can be enough to hinder the whole walk of God, all of it. The freedom we were called to, Paul emphasizes in this text here, is freedom from our selfish desires, that we are free to love and free to serve one another. If we add works-based righteousness, we begin to eat each other, because then we compare ourselves to each other. And we start ranking and comparing our righteous works. See, what it is, is I say, I'm convicted on X, Y, Z, and I say that this is the thing. And I put this up here and I say, now all my brothers, you need to do that too. Because I'm doing that. Or, I say that my sin is a little minor. I, I kind of know yours. Yours is a lot bigger and worse than mine. So then we start to wreck one another, Right? And then what do we do? It, we become so unhealthy that we start biting. And we start biting at each other. And we start saying, you're worse than me. I'm better than him. If I say that I'm better than one, then guess what? I can't love my brother, can I? If I think I'm better than him. I can't even love my brother if I think I'm worse than him. So if my brother tells me that he's better than me, because his sin ranks in some level that far less than me, it's hard for me to love him too. Because every time I run him, I think he judgment. And every time I'm looking at my brother who I think is less than me, I say, judgment. He's less than me. I bite at him. 
I get bit that, it devours us. So he tells us this, that if we bite and devour one another, watch out that we don't get consumed by one another. Isn't that true? We get consumed by each other. We get consumed by putting a yoke of slavery on each other. Or having one put on us. Just consumes us. It consumes our, it consumes our thoughts. It consumes our thinking. And I just got to be frank with you that one of my biggest struggles a few years ago was this idea that I, if I, if I found myself in a sinful spot, this actually would go on in a conversation in my own heart and my own mind. I just work harder. If I just work harder at this, I'm going to overcome that. If I just do a little bit more in service to God and His people, I will again find favor with Him. Oh my goodness, that was a trap. It was a trap from the pit of hell. It was not God who moved in my heart to do that. It was the enemy who moved in my heart. I said, work harder, do more, serve more, less of yourself, lay it all down, and then I'll find favor with you once again. I had to come to the realization that I am indeed free, that Christ has indeed set me free from that. And when I was admired in all that, guess what was the thing that went away? The ability to love other people. I just couldn't. I was so admired in my own self and my own work that every time I looked at a brother, I kept thinking, they know how wretched I am. And because they know I can't be real with them, they got to know what's going on in my heart. It's real apparent to me. I know what's going on. Because I had that thing going on, I couldn't love them. Another thing I couldn't do is receive love either. I couldn't give it away. I couldn't take it. Because somebody would show love and affection or, or show, show grace, gracious kindness and show the love of Jesus to me. All I could think is, not worthy. Not worthy. Couldn't do it. I struggled with this. It was, it was, a, it was a terrible fight. But through prayer, through Christ's word, still not there yet. <laughs> I got to tell you that. Still not there yet. But I have an overcoming Savior who is at work in me. Right? And I am going to be an overcomer. I know it. Because the Word of God tells me really plainly, especially in Revelation, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the Word of our testimony, right? We will overcome it. It says that we will. Because our Savior overcome it, overcame everything for us, overcame death, overcame sin, overcame the grave, right? Who does that? Except God Himself, right? Amen. Amen. So, the freedom here that we're called to, right? If we add this works, and we start comparing ourselves, and we start ranking and comparing our own righteous works, then what we've done is put a yoke of slavery again on ourselves and on our neighbors, and we have negated the finished work of the cross. We've said it's no good. 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you should you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, 
enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, a works-based righteousness is a work of the flesh. Works of the flesh then lead to sin. They lead us to sin, right? If we think that we're going to get our righteousness based on what we do and how we perform, right? Performance-based righteousness. It leads us down this path towards sin. And then sin imprisons us and it hinders us and it keeps us our free, it takes our freedom away. And the biggest freedom it takes away from us is the freedom to love one another. So I'm going to ask a couple questions of you this morning. Have you ever felt so riddled with guilt and shame over the things that you engaged in that you found it nearly impossible to be in fellowship with other believers? I know that I have. Almost unbearable to be in church, holding on to shame and guilt. And the last place I wanted to be was in the presence of Christ and His people. I had no ability whatsoever to love another person. I had no ability whatsoever to receive love. Mired in guilt and mired in shame. I think for some of us in this room today, we are probably harboring jealousy over another person. Or we're at strife with another. Or we have bitterness towards another one. And we're hindered, hindered right now as we sit here. Some of us maybe feeling in a sense that we are hindered from fully committing ourselves to the Lord's calling to love one another. And still others here this morning might say, you know, I'm trapped by being in an inappropriate relationship or I'm trapped by a secret sin that nobody knows about. And it's leaving me unable to love my neighbor fully. Because I'm trapped in a sin, I can't receive love because I, I'm just so convinced and condemned that I just don't deserve it. Some of you might be trapped in one of those things. But I want to remind you of something this morning, that there is no trap from which Christ cannot and will not set you free. I want to remind you that for freedom's sake, Christ has set you free. And I want to remind you, again, that because of Christ's finished work on the cross by grace through faith, that you've been set free from those traps. You've been set free from those traps. If you're here this morning and you've never been set free, there may be one this morning who has never been set free, and they're sitting there this morning going, I think the Holy Spirit of God is tugging at my heart. It's telling me that for the sake of freedom, freedom from His wrath and the punishment I so richly deserve, and freedom to truly love God and to truly love others, that I feel that I'm convinced and trapped. But I'm also just as convinced this morning, if you're hearing from the Spirit of God, you could hear Him this morning just tap on your heart a little bit, and He might be tapping at you, convincing you that you are indeed trapped. And Christ Jesus is offering Himself to you this morning. And if this is you, do not wait. Don't wait. Not another minute. I'm not going to let you off the hook. I'm not going to let you wait another second. Because God does not want you to waste any time. If He's telling you at your heart now, right now, this is the moment, right where we sit, 
All you must do is confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and will be saved. You are set free. If that is you this morning, do business now. And in fact, before I move on and close, I'm going to pause and just give you a time to quiet your hearts right now. So what I'm going to ask you to do is close your eyes and pray with me. And we will pray for God's intervention right now. Father, I know that some of us are trapped. We're trapped by sin, unconfessed sin. Lord, some of us are trapped by our own desire to work our way toward you, to maybe think that we can do just good enough to get there. And maybe there's one today that says, I want to be set free in Christ. And all of us who would say that we are trapped, that Christ is setting us free right now. If you want to be set free, just say yes. And just say yes to the Lord, and the Lord will meet you. So I thank you, Lord, for your work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to finish with Galatians 5, 22 through 26, and see the difference between the spirit at work in freedom and the bondage that we just read about. We read about all of those things, and really what they are is just traps, chains to lock us up. And we're chained and we're unable to love. And we rank all of those things, maybe. That's probably the list that we use. And, and, and we probably we have some sort of order that ours are in. They might be in a different order than the text says, but we make up our own list. And we put that list in it. And then we bite one another. And that's flesh. And that's what legalism will do to us and lead us back to those very things that we think we were set free from. But, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires for if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking one another envying, envying one another you see we having been set free from the wrath of God having been set free from our old sinful nature have been pruned we are being pruned and have been pruned of dead works. And we've been set free to do the works of God. We are now free to bear the fruit of Christ's imputed righteousness. You see, all those lists of those things that we see, we see them in Christ. If I you know, want to name this is who I am, I wouldn't probably list all of those. But I would say for sure that I know that Christ is all of those. And he fulfilled all of that fruit of the Spirit perfectly. And because he righteously did so, that his atoning work on the cross imputes his righteousness to me. So therefore, you see, I am now free to bear that fruit. I am free to bear the fruit of Christ's imputed righteousness. And that is a righteousness that is not of my own. And I can't add anything to my righteousness. Because Christ has completed it and imputed it to me and, and imputed it to you if you just believe. 
So we have also been given the Holy Spirit power by faith. That working through those, through that, and working through love, we are to live as those that are justified by God. And there's no law that can grant us that truth. And there's no law against living that out in the Spirit. There's no law that can grant us that truth, and there's no law that exists against it. So I'm going to say to you this morning, this, if you heard nothing else from me this morning, I want you to hear this. Two sentences. Walk in freedom, church. And second to that, love one another in that freedom. Those are the two things that Paul is admonishing the church here in Galatia is that walk in freedom because Christ has indeed set you free for the sake of freedom. Freedom from and freedom to. Freedom to love. And then, guess what? Now that you're free to love, love one another with the freedom that Christ has given you. When you love one another with the freedom Christ has given you, you will not desire to put a bondage on your brother. Because you realize what you've been set free from. You say, I, don't want, I wouldn't want to put that on you. I can't put that on you. I've been set free. You've been set free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit working in us. I pray, Lord, that you have convinced us all that in Christ Jesus we are indeed set free. And for the sake of freedom, that you have freed us so that we can freely love one another that we can freely communicate the love of Christ in the world around us who is so opposed to you, that we can communicate that we are free, and that what a compelling thing. There's a world full of people trapped. And Christ says, I've set you free. Proclaim freedom. Proclaim freedom to the captives in the world. They're waiting to be set free, and they want to hear what freedom is. And we know, we know, if you are convinced, and I am convinced, that freedom is found in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God alone. Amen. Amen.